Uh, yeah, man, I had a had a cold brew earlier from um the Starbucks that uh we were supposed to be boycotting. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, now I'm feeling that crash. So Oh yeah. <laughs> I had a Red Bull, like I felt the the crash coming, hit a Red Bull early afternoon it was great. Now <laughs> now I'm ready to be tucked in. Should be recorded Listen, bed, to be honest. I I mean bro, we almost thirty, man. Uh Oh, the watch been in full effect. Don't be yeah. twisted, my nigga. Yeah. Um, but oh. you know who ain't washed? No, he is washed. But you know who had a great catalog? Young Jock. Yeah, he um, he might get uh, hang with Soldier Boy for a little while. I think Soldier. That's got what a, I'm saying. Soldier, I think Soldier got a strong twenty. Yeah, I mean Jock, Jock in a battle of fifteen. No, we talked about it. I I ran through the discography, man. You know the the obvious shit. The I know you see it's in coffee shops and you know uh, dope boy magic and it's going One, down and Jason Jason Raiders too. <laughs> uh, but you know, shit, you got a lot of showstoppers too, nigga. And and uh, day twenty six, I'm gonna put it on us and you know juice box and knock it out. That he could go a strong fifteen, honestly. Yeah, I didn't really think about it until you said it, but it does make sense. Yeah. So uh, catch Young Jock in a battle near you soon. But um, unfortunately, that's really all the fun that we're going to get to on this week's pod. Unfortunately, um, this is an emergency pod. Um, our first emergency pod that we had since Jacquees proclaimed himself the king of r <laughs> um, way, way back when he made that uh, factual claim. <laughs> uh, that one was a joke. Um this one is about real life, and it is we have devoted countless hours to um, the voices of social justice and change and equality, literally ever since we started the pot. Yep. However, um, it is time to devote an entire episode to that. We, um, we devoted probably 85% of the episode, the lost episode with Mia, to this, um, unfortunately <laughs> – can't do nothing about that. So, so it was great. Great conversations were had. I know we talk about it every episode since we've done it, but it was truly <laughs> great conversation that we dug into some something very similar. It was, but um, this is this is an emergency because our lives are an emergency. Um, our lives are, you know, at stake every single day when we walk out on the street, um, when we drive our cars, when we go to work, you know, um when we're at home sitting in our house playing PlayStation with our nephew, you know, um, I, I, it's, it seems like each one of these shootings gets progressively more almost unbelievable, almost ridiculous, but in some way, shape or form, it's just all par for the course at this point. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, uh, we see example yeah. after example of us just living our lives and this shit, falling upon us like it's niggas going out out of their way to be doing wild stuff or doing stuff that's out of reason it's just normal everyday activities that turn turn deadly uh in many of these cases just people trying to live you know um again it it starts as you know what appears to be resisting arrest he had a gun you know somebody was arrested and something weird happened in, in jail Whatever, and then it goes to again, sitting in your living room 
playing nephew or playing video games with your nephew, then you're dead. Um, going, a, going for a jog. Going for a jog, you're gone. Routine traffic stop, you're gone. Um, sleeping in bed, doing absolutely nothing and bothering nobody, you're gone. It's um, it's disheartening as fuck, bro. Yeah. And that's and and that's why we are devoting um time, you know, not as much time as normal because we're not really getting into no other topics today. Um, but we are devoting, you know, this particular pod episode, whatever the fuck it is, um, to something that is um, I, I it. Something that crossed the line, you know, <laughs> 400 years ago, but something that has now become really, to me, it, it's become really the only thing that's going on in the whole fucking world, even during the pandemic. Yeah, this the situations that we see have, have definitely taken over any other news that's going on. It's become the focus of, of not just us, but but of the country. So... um you know, the event that sparked this latest round of social outcry um, from the black community was a shooting that took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I don't ask me why I was actually familiar with Kenosha before this shooting happened. Um, but Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what day that happened. The 23rd Sunday. 23rd. Okay. Um, Jacob Blake, 29 year old Jacob Blake, uh, pulled up to um, to a home to break up a fight between two women uh, with all three of his young kids in the back seat of the car. Um, he hopped out to break up the fight. Um, not sure if he was. If he knew the women, I believe that he did. Um, but regardless, a 911 call was made. Uh, cops were sent to the scene where somehow Mr. Blake became the uh, the focus of their attention. Um, there's a bunch of videos all over social media showing a few different angles of, you know, the incident took place. But immediately... They got there. Was not not a lot of talking occurred. He was tased immediately, um, and he was wrestled with. He was punched um, in the ribs, uh, punched in the shoulder, punched in the ribs. You know, amongst other things, wrestled to the ground. And all he wanted to do, all the man wanted to do, was get back to his kids. He wanted to make it back to the car to get back to his children. That was it in a situation that really had absolutely nothing to do with him. And in one of the most cowardly shootings that we have seen, you know, in this in this new era of civil rights, um, as he turned to get into the car. He was shot seven times in the back and spine. Leaving him partially. Paralyzed. Uh he is still alive thank god he's one of the few that have survived you know these these heinous attacks by these bitch ass police officers officer rustin shesky is the perpetrator this time and um again we are left you know with no answers 
it took it took until I earlier today for them to finally release uh Shevsky's name after literally what's today Thursday four days of, mm-hmm. of public outcry um still yeah. trying to protect their own the police union uh urging people not to jump to conclusions um and to wait for the investigation to be finished and but man that video man as much as damn near any video we've seen you know recently on social media in, in terms of police brutality man the, the pop from them guns bro was so fucking eerie man like yeah this I, like chills chills up and down your spine eerie no this is uh this was another tough one to watch is all the everything we've seen these past couple years has been has been tough to watch um and this is another instance in which uh thank god that the whoever filmed it was filming it because the officers did not have their body cams on. Um, mm. So if we did not have the civilian or whoever filmed it filming this, who knows? We might not, we probably wouldn't have heard of this story. And it body, body cams are a fucking joke. Um, and, 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 you know, when we talk about, I don't mean to cut you off, no, bro, no, I'm no, sorry. No, but when we talk about, you know, defunding the police or we talk about, you know, um, removing immunity you know police immunity from any jurisdiction when we talk about these people being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law if you are a police officer and your body cam is not on during any incident that involves violence of any sort that is a punishable suspendable fireable offense in its own on its own that's how how it should be because it makes no sense for you to even have body cam why? If, when, when when incidents happen, you don't have it on. It makes literally no sense. And it's dumb as there, I do think I agree with you. It should be punishable in any sort of form or fashion. Absolutely zero accountability. The, zero negligence to the highest form. But no, um, go ahead. Man. Yeah, like I was saying, just the um, so we're real thankful that the person filmed it because, like you said, it, it, it wouldn't have been shown on video, and the cops who did the shooting could have framed it in any way they wanted to. Um, but it's, it's it's like you said earlier. This is just disheartening to see. Um, the black man who, by all accounts, was trying to do the right thing, trying to break up a fight, um, and then going to check on his kids in the back seat. All three of his kids um, were in the back seat, um, and to be shot while while going to check on your kids and your kids having to see that up close and in person, see your father get shot. That's traumatizing. Not to mention firing those shots just a couple feet away from the kids themselves. Yeah. Kids could easily caught a stray. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna get to a little bit later. Like that that's similar to the Philando Castile shooting. Mm-hmm. Um because in this scenario with, with Jacob Blake, um people were saying that he did find a knife um in the car in the front yeah, passenger that's seat. That's what he was going to get. Yeah. He was going to get a knife to <laughs> knife fight the police who had guns drawn on that's, him. That's that's what I'm saying. That that's that's what people I've been seeing uh dissenting opinions kind of kind of speak to that and it's like you, yeah that's what you think you think my man's gonna get a knife and fight cops with guns similar to flando castile like he told the officer i do have a registered firearm but i'm going to get my license registration and you get shot you think i'm gonna pull out my gun with my with my girlfriend or wife i forget which one it was and my daughter in the backseat and have a shootout with you with them in the car for these cops to have that amount of fear and and just thought that hey this person could go ahead and do this with children involved because if there's anything us as black people 
respect it's his kids. We're not gonna do this shit around the kids. Um, we value the kids in, in high in high fashion. So for that for that theory to even pop up, it really makes me mad. Um, for people to even say that. And um, you know, you brought up a good point about uh, you know Philando Castile who had his CCWs. Um, he had a registered gun in the car. And I, you know, I had a conversation earlier with one of my friends, you know, who was saying that, you know, he was talking to his girl and her mom or whatever, and they were saying, or she was saying that, you know, this is definitely the time you need your CCW. Like, you know, you got to be able to protect yourself out there. And unfortunately, as I've mentioned on this pod millions of times, I don't even know, like, if having a CCW even really helps, you know, because of how we are already targeted. You know, if you have a concealed carry and you have a gun in your car at a, a routine traffic stop like Philando Castile, you're probably dead. Dude, that's going to that's going to heighten heighten the officer's sense of sense of urges to say, "Hey, oh, he's got a gun now." They might start running scenarios in their head and that's going to honestly might put you in more danger. That's what I'm saying. Could be. And, you know, if, if you have the gun actually on you, on your person, you're surely dead. Even if you have one in the car, in the glove box, in the console, whatever, still, you know. And if something unfortunate were to happen, it didn't even have anything to do with the gun. They'll find the gun and then they'll justify it. Yeah. You know, and it's um, and, and because of the implicit bias the years, the years of socialization, the years of, of terrible training, you know, they are literally trained with black people to escalate before any conversation is had. That's it. That's what they do. They get in, they see that you're black. If you jump, look the wrong direction, you're gone. Just like that. There is no, hey, put your hands up. There is no, come out here. There is no, hey, do you have anything in the car? There's none of that. You are dead. They shoot first, ask questions later. Life, America has literally become a fucking John Wayne movie. And John Wayne was as racist as they fucking get. Yeah, talking about John Wayne. This even, and we're, like, we're not even being hyperbolic at all because we've seen time and time again shit like this happen. Shit, niggas are literally just doing regular things and encounters with police, and it turns deadly. And unfortunately, we've seen again in this situation, there is no protecting yourself. And that is the scariest part. There is no be careful. There is no, you know, only go this place during this time of day. There is no, you know, oh, well, if I just comply as all the right-wing Twitter bots always tell us to do, if you just comply, you know, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to resist arrest. It's illegal to resist arrest. So if you resist arrest, whatever happens, fucking happens. I'm still trying to figure out where it says in any police handbook that resisting arrest is an offense punishable by death. I'm glad you brought that up. That's what I was about to say. What's the point of having uh, courts, judges, and juries if... The second you resist arrest, you can be killed. What what is the point of the system? Since now the cop, because if you believe that, then now you believe the cops are the the judge, jury, and executioner themselves. What is what is the point of a system? 
Um, and, you know, a system that obviously is so is broken and has always been broken from day one, you know, a system that has been designed to perpetually incarcerate black people um, for profit, a system that is de- that is designed to destabilize. You know, I, I, I ain't trying to get to 48 laws of power <laughs> on this pod, <laughs> but that is literally made to destabilize the black family unit. And to destabilize also the view of black people in modern American society so that, you know, when things like this happen, all you hear about is, oh, well, that person's been to jail. That person's been to prison. They're awful. They're an ex-felon. Blah, 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 blah. And all of it, you know, it is so honestly. I think we've mentioned it before on, on a pod or two. Racism is the most well thought out thing that white people have ever done. Like, oh, that shit is fucking lit, dog. Like, if, like, if, if the shit was on the other foot? Like, oh, like, honestly, as a system, it is so thorough, it is so well contrived, and it is so sustainable that if they put even a, a second, a microsecond of the energy that they put into systemic racism and maintaining white privilege into infrastructure or education or healthcare, we would be the greatest country in all of existence on any earth, on any world in this entire universe. Yeah, well, I ain't gonna say all that because you know, them aliens, they probably put them numbers, it'll say the <laughs> point are laughing at us. Numbers, but, Larry Jim. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy to see. Like, this is <laughs> we, we've come on here, and it feels like every couple episodes we're talking about an issue like this, and the fact that it's continually recurring. And she doesn't seem to change that that frustration and, and pent up aggression and anger that we hold as a people continues to grow and grow and grow. And we've seen it in, in protests after this shooting. Uh, we've seen it in the continued protests for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor are still going on in the country. The tensions are, are high and, and continually rising. And I don't know what the tipping point is going to be. But the way shit is trending, it seems like there's going to be a, a tipping point in, in the future. There is probably going to be a war. Um, I am starting to believe that, unfortunately, you know, with all the frustration created by this situation, it's going to be full on watchmen race war. And I don't. It doesn't necessarily mean that society is going to crumble. If Trump wins again, it could. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean that society is going to crumble. But it's going to create an atmosphere. It's going to create an environment where the mistrust between the races is going to be literally as high as it was at, during the times of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, we right now as a people, we do not trust white people. We don't trust any white people. Um, not even not even Tony Hawk. No. <laughs> I let's, I'm gonna hesitate before I take <laughs> before I take Tony out. But no, like it is we don't trust white people at all. Um and white people do not white people place the the preservation of white privilege over everything else. They place it over welfare, they place it over money. They place it over health. They place it over sanity. Um, they will go crazy. You know, we talked about the the family in Long Island and Syosset. Um, 
we talked about the, the family that was terrorizing, you know, the young black woman in in Long Island. And I think they just did somebody just get arrested? Yeah, two people got arrested. I want to say okay. last week or recently. Yeah, two people did get, end up getting arrested for, for uh, and, and, harassment. And even that's dangerous because, you know, what's to stop them from putting in a call to one of their family members and having something happen to her, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just that is literally the only thing that matters because that's what this country was built upon. This country was not built upon, you know, freedom. We, well, we know all that. This, it was not built upon freedom and free enterprise and and and, and re- escape of religious persecution. It was built upon privilege. Privilege that these, a lot of the people that came over here was fucking poor, white gutter trash in England and came on over here because they had a chance to actually be something. So they had to make sure that no matter what, no matter what the fuck happened, that they maintain that status quo because... They won shit back in the old country. Then they come over here and they find races and races and races of people to enslave, to disenfranchise, and to always make sure that they maintain cultural dominance and cultural hegemony over. And that is the only thing that matters to white people. And if anybody tells you anything else, they're fucking liars. That's it. And again, when I say white people... You know, it's the same. It's the same concept when women be on Twitter caught saying all men are trash. Men are trash. If it don't apply to you, it don't apply to you. But when it does, it fucking does. Right. Yeah. This is a time where we've been asking our white allies to be vocally and actively anti-racist. So, yeah. like, I see. I anti. Still, yeah. I still see. Like, a lot, I still see a lot of my yeah. white friends on like Twitter and Instagram, like posting some. Some, some some quotes or some links to things of that nature. So I appreciate them doing that, showing me that they're still thinking about uh, the plight mm-hmm. and stuff that myself and my people are going through right now. But if the, the sil- your silence right now is, is very telling. It, it's deafening. And um, Mia posted a link to an article earlier today. It said, your black square didn't work. Now what? And that's, that sure. is couldn't be... Any closer to the truth. This is uh, your black square yeah. didn't work. Now the fuck what? All the call the companies who posted uh statements and uh came out with, with little stuff to support Cares. the movement back then was cracking now. Bro, I don't give a fuck about Aunt Jemima. I I don't give Damn, a I fuck about Aunt Jemima. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't give a fuck about master bedrooms. I don't I don't care. That shit don't fucking matter to me. Yeah. And you know, I have one of my good friends, one of my white friends. Uh, his dad, who I formed a good relationship over the years, he has reached out to me. Shout out to him. Shout out to Big Mike. Um, because all white people refer to their dads as Big, followed by their first name. Um, Pretty much. And he has reached out to me consistently throughout all the happenings in the world. And he he has checked on me constantly. And, and he is just, you know, as simple as, how are you doing? How are you holding up? If I can help you, please tell me how. Because he said it. He was like, I am an old white guy. You know, honestly, I am hurt by everything that goes on in the world. I'm hurt that you and your people have to continuously endure all the hardships that you endure. I am ashamed that my people continue to cause this disenfranchisement. And he says, honestly, I truly I almost don't even know where to begin in order to 
remedy this process and I, I, I truly don't know, but whatever is asked of me, whatever you need from me or whatever, you know, you or black people as a whole need from me, I am ready and I'm willing to do. And I would drop everything in order to do that. And that is literally all you can ask for. That's perfect. Uh, that, 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 that's, yeah. that's very, very honest. And it's, it's what we're looking for. Acknow- yeah. Acknowledging the situation and trying to ask and see what you can do to help. We said that on well, the podcast you guys didn't hear. But that's what, we, <laughs> that's what we've been saying for, for months now. It, it, it's, it's refreshing to hear that you do have people in your life who, who are like that and who are willing to, to kind of do what it takes to kind of help. Yeah, great, great guy. But the problem is, you know, we are not getting enough of that. Obviously, it is. I think, you know, again, I, you know, I've I've spent a lot of different time, and I'm actually fortunate enough to spend a lot of time in a lot of different schools with a lot of different racial makeups, and you know, I very diverse elementary school to basically an all black middle school to. A majority white, 70% white high school when I got in, 70% black high school by the time I left. Mm. Y'all reverse gentrified high school? Yes, sir. Um, To a PWI. So I have basically seen it all. Um, You know, I've seen it all. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yay stack, seven feet tall, dead ass. Um, (laughs) And I have seen it all, you know, over the course of, you know, some of the environments that I've been pushing to now be living in one of the most um, diverse um, in terms of, of, of gender identity and sexual preference and, um, you know, religious affiliation and all that. One of the, the most diverse cities in all of the Midwest right now. Um, and no, not Cleveland. I'm talking about this suburb of Cleveland. Because oh, this is in Cleveland? I, I, I yeah, yeah nah. Like that. Okay. nah, this this particular suburb of Cleveland um, ranks very highly on that list. So it's it, for me, I think that I have, for the most part, when it has come to dealing with white people, it's not, there's overt racism. There has not been a ton of it um, that I have experienced. Yes, we all have moments, but overt racism, not not a ton subtle racism every fucking day but most importantly or most damagingly it is people who turn a blind eye and they assume that because they are not actively participating in the racism and disenfranchisement that they are not part of the problem that they are not hurting the situation at all um, it's just like watching a fucking video of domestic violence and, you know, I feel like every time we see a video of domestic violence, there's always 15 people standing around doing nothing. And those people think because I was not in that video hitting that woman that, or hitting that child, that I'm not part of it. Oh, I did my job. I feel good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I stood there and watched it happen, but I didn't participate. And actively or idly standing by doesn't get the job done anymore. Um, you know what's going on. You all, all, every single one of you, and I'm talking every single white person I know, even the quote unquote good ones. You know you got fucked up family. You know you got right wing racist ass Trump supporting family somewhere. You know you got people who participate in gender discrimination, you know, job discrimination. Um, religious persecution, 
um, you know, again, uh, overtly racist activities, all of that shit. You know what's going on. It is not enough to say, oh, yeah, my family crazy. No. Call them niggas out. Run up on them niggas. Let them know that you don't want to be a part of no family. That includes people like them. For sure. Like, similarly, like I, I went to most of the white schools pretty much my entire life. So I like I've seen, like you said, not really too many over overly racist situations, but every day it's little comments here, little slick shit you hear back and forth. Um, and I got friends who, who in their in their past might have been a little iffy, um, in their ideals and morals, but who I've seen change um, throughout the years as they've gotten more experience with people of color. And living in different places and working in different situations, um, mm-hmm. but like like you said, the, the times to idly just stand by and, and just say, "Okay, I, well, I'm not racist, and this is fine." That's, that's not enough right now. The stakes are are much higher than they've ever mm-hmm. been. So it, it, it's on, and like I continually see this all the time. It's not racism is not a problem that the black people we can fix. We are not the the ones. No, of course, no. The, 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 the responsibility falls on the burden responsibility falls on white people to, to fix the system that they put in place. So when you have the chance to, like you said, speak to a family member or a coworker or someone who, who has these beliefs or has these morals, try your best to talk to them. If they're not receptive to it, that's fine. But make sure that you make that attempt and make sure you make your stance known and try your best to explain why the situation is what it is. Um, because without that, we're never going to move forward. It's just this is the situation that we're in continue or in now is going to just continually be the situation that we're in because no one's truly stepping out to make changes. And it's, it's, uh, I'm a naturally cynical person. Yeah. So I don't have a whole lot of hope, um, for us as a country, but there's still, yeah. there's still a, a good part of it that says, Hey, that, that wants to see this happen. Yeah, um, it, it, every day with each incident, you know, it gets more and more difficult to see a way out. You know, we are living in a country currently, you know, since it been, you know, following the Republican National Convention, you know, and seeing literally some of the most morally reprehensible people in this entire world, not just this country. Mm-hmm. You're seeing um, Rudy Giuliani's and Ben Carson's and Melania's and 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 Trumpito himself and just fucking Lou Holtz, old piece of shit. Why is he? He spoke. Yes. Before, yes, he did. See, I was going to chill. I was going to fire. He, I was going to flame his ass up. But let me chill. He said well, he, tri- he, he tried to speak. <laughs> he said that uh, that Joe Biden was a fake Catholic, and we can't let a fake Catholic uh, lead our country. Um, and that's you know uh, people like him are the reason why this country's in the dumpster. And you know, uh, listen. Fair is fair. I, right. I don't know. I don't know how many times on this on this podcast that I have flamed Catholicism. Uh, yeah, it, it's <laughs> um, been more than a few. It, it it that that is that is one of my life vendettas. But I and I and I also don't like Joe Biden. Let let's talk about that too. Don't like Joe Biden. To reiterate, however, I do understand that religion is something that has played a role a big role in Joe Biden's life and something that I feel at least somewhat 
he is somewhat in some way shape or form actually taking some of the good things away from religion that you're supposed to take away from it and not specifically using it to spew hate all right so that is as much as i'm going to ever compliment joe biden or the catholic religion and then you have republicans just spreading propaganda and lies and lies and one, lies. one, of, one lies, of my favorite lies. one of my favorite things that the, the republican party has done recently it's step on a small tangent is to like the commercials you'll see of the protests and shit just just and burning and people wilding out and they're saying this goes this is a this will be Biden's America. When the images and everything they're using is, <laughs> are from Trump's America. From Trump's America is from like right now. It, yeah. Um very ironic, that right? It really grinds my gears, buddy. <laughs> and you know, it's um it's it, it's just another one of those things, man. And it's just it's it's right now the Republican Party, white people, you know, non-liberals, it is just so hate-filled. And it's not, listen, isn't, again, it's not like, act like the hate ever went away from the very beginning. It has always been there, just, you know, maybe over the last 30 or so years, it's been a little less out in the open. Um, however, now it is, it is, it has such, such a dangerous point because it is all lies. And they are drink, literally drinking this shit like Jim Jones Kool Aid. And I don't think the truth or morality, has ever mattered less in the history of this country than right now. They will literally justify <laughs> anything, anything, man, for the sake of quote unquote politics, bro. Man, if, anything. Just, just watch a, a, a Trump speech or, or someone in his cabinet talk, and then just go immediately go to the fact, find a fact checker, and yeah. you'll see that they are are ripping what these people have to say to shreds because it, the lies that they tell and, and the hypocrisy that is shown within that party, it, it's insane. Like it, every, every time I think, you know what? I think, all right, people are, are smart to see that this, that, that that's just a wild hip, hippocratic statement that, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't show anything. And, and every time it doesn't prove the point I made, and it's kind of bringing it back to what we we're talking about first. That's another situation I see is like, all right, Every time we see one, uh, one of our black brothers and sisters get killed who are unarmed, mm-hmm. part of me is like, okay, this is going to be the one that people see and say, you know what, enough is enough. Like with George Floyd, that was a great case that we saw. Okay, people saying, hey, this, the majority of people say, hey, this is bad. This shouldn't happen. Enough is enough. And then we turn around a couple months later and we have the Jacob Blake case. And it's not going to say, this yeah. should be enough for everybody to, to kind of to galvanize everybody together as a, the people against this shit and you know it's um literally everything from sexual assault you know rapes to human trafficking to you know the devaluing the desecration of science and medicine to economic collapse to racism murder anything and everything and we've heard in the last four years be justified by conservatives. And I'm not even, you know, fuck, I ain't gonna call them conservatives. I'm gonna call them shitbags. That's what they are. And it is, this is not, it's so much bigger than politics, man. It's so, because I gotta admit, in my younger years, I was somebody who, yes, I, I always knew my parents made sure that I had a, a, a strong upbringing and, you know, knew the values of, you know, each party and, you know, all that other good stuff. So, yes, I've always technically identified as a Democrat. 
but Jesus Christ, dude, like it is gone so far beyond, you know, just being able to say, like I may have said in my younger years, oh, well, you know, it don't, it, if you're a Republican, I respect your opinion. I don't fucking respect your opinion. Is politics literally turned into gang shit. It is dead ass. And, you know, listen, you've seen Hamilton. George Washington tried to warn us about this I shit. I did not see Hamilton. Well, you should have seen I, Hamilton. I will not see Hamilton. Bitch ass nigga. Um, but it, it, George Washington, his whole ass, tried to warn us about this shit. And he tried to tell us, man, he was like, listen, a two-party system is going to be is the death of this country. And it really has been. It, you know? Um, and it's, 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 it's just... It's gotten to the point where it's not politics has become life. There is no line. There is no just, oh, yeah, I was just talking shit on the house floor, my nigga. <laughs> no big deal. Nah, bro. Like, this shit is life. It is these these issues are not are no longer just matters of opinion. They are matters of life and death. They are matters of civil rights. They are matters of human rights. And, you know, I I live um not too far away from a Planned Parenthood, right? And it's, it's right near this this um, this shopping center near me. And every time um, me and Chloe drive past it, shout out to Chloe, hey boo. So every cool. time we drive past it, um, there's always some old ass niggas outside, 90 year old white women and white dudes out there protesting, you know, defund the Planned Parenthood. Oh, your kid, do, do you like killing babies? Blah, blah, blah. And we've actually seen people walk into that Planned Parenthood and have to walk through a barrage of hate from people who have literally been on this earth since the fucking 1800s. And I say the same thing every time we drive past. And, and I, I look straight at her and I'm like, man, why the fuck won't they just die already? Yeah, man, that's the reason why they're out there because they bored as hell. And, and that sounds bad. It sounds bad. You know, it, but it's not me wishing death on nobody it's just me being in amazement that anybody especially people that fucking old during a goddamn pandemic have the time and have the energy to go stand outside and literally try to ruin people's lives listen here bro. literally and literally shame people and literally hate people for their entire existence the only thing that's keeping them old fucks going is hate listen that's listen it. here brother i got when you have hate in your heart <laughs> and, and the price is right goes off at 11 and the news don't come on till 6 I got all afternoon to hate but it, it, it is crazy to see people who, who are that dedicated to it's not mind their fucking business yeah um, that's it this, this and, country be in a whole better place if niggas just mind their business and if that and literally if that's how you're gonna spend all your days you know people who are already going through emotional turmoil and are making some of the most difficult decisions of their lives if you literally don't have anything to do but stand outside and spew vitriol at them you might as well just go die and i I sincerely mean that from the bottom of my heart straight up so um and, and that is that is um that's just the microcosm of everything that's going on and the worst part is these motherfuckers feel empowered they feeling bold mm-hmm. these days because of the Cheeto at the top of the country. And, man, bro, I, I think we mentioned it on the last pod a little bit, but this country has gone so far backwards in four years. We have lost so much in the way of progress, 
social progress, um, you know, LGBTQ process uh, progress, black people progress, science, um, the progression of science, the progression of medicine, the fucking U.S. Postal Service. We have lost so many, so many well-funded um, policies and practices and organizations that literally were designed to keep this country running smoothly and to provide aid and support to the people who need it. Don't forget. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah, because we got a hurricane running through right now. Let's not forget when he defunded FEMA. Uh, Forgot about that, too. It's going to be interesting to see how all the people who are dealing with the effects of Hurricane Laura. Shout out to you guys. Prayers up for everybody affected. Yes. Um, yes. So we should see how that is handled in the next couple of days and weeks. Be- and, and this motherfucker was out in fucking Puerto Rico shooting toilet paper jump shots at niggas. Luca. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and it's just it's see it's, it's odd, bro. Is and it's not even a coincidence. It ain't no Illuminati conspiracy. But it feels like every time Trump like defunds something or just takes all the money away, the exact thing that that program was designed to prevent then happens. Right. Yeah, no, this is it's literally a uh, TV couldn't be written as well. No, no, no. Yeah, we, time uh, time we see stuff that he he's defunded or or canceled. It, it, turns right back around and has a huge effect or something that happens to it that, that shines light on his uh his mistakes. That's so great. basic so basically, you know, um Jacob Blake is sitting handcuffed to his hospital bed right now while he is partially paralyzed from getting shot seven times in the back um while attempting to calm his kids while white people when some coon black people uh, here's looking at you, Herschel Walker, um, mm. while people all over this country try to justify this shooting. Or even worse, I've seen even worse. Well, he didn't die. That, that's, that's what I've seen a ton of in the last couple of days. I, and see, I've seen people praising it. Praising, oh, no, I'm talking about a different situation. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, and... Um, you know, I think we've reached a point, bro, where there could literally be a video of um, a black person just walking down the street doing nothing. There could be 24 hours before, you know, they, they show 24 hours before the incident and 24 hours after the incident. Literally every single thing that this person has done, which is nothing, and could show them walking down the street, could watch a police officer pull up on them 21 Jump Street style, shoot the nigga kill him dead in cold blood and drive off. And there will still be millions of people in this country that will somehow try to justify that. Case. Well, you do, you do know they found some THC in the system, right? Yep. Oh, of course. Um, so yeah, that's it. He, he had to die, you know, so didn't return a library book, uh, before he graduated high school. So basically, uh, the police did, did society a favor. <sighs> and, uh, um, how do you like, how do you even fucking think like that? That shit makes me so, I, it's, Part of part of what was frustrating about kind of everything we've been dealing with is just when you look at it from the other side, how unfathomable what you're saying is. The uh, shout out to DeSamero, the caucasity, the Caucasian gymnastics that you're pulling to justify seeing a motherfucker get murdered on 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 camera is it's just it's it's crazy to think about. You should feel like a, you should feel um, like a dickhead yeah. if you're doing that. And um, you know, so when you reach this point, and you know the 
the degradation and the um you know basically the fall of a country you know shit's she's feeling very romish right now when you reach that point where the fuck do you go you know what where do you go what do you ask for what do you demand and what types of measures do you take to ensure that justice is finally served and honestly a lot of those questions are still unanswered you know but one thing that we have consistently done pandemic or not you know throughout this entire process is we've been marching if there's one thing niggas gonna do is protest mm-hmm. and we've been out there protesting we've been out there heavy and in kenosha wisconsin them boys have been in the streets doing work i think they burnt down what did they burn down uh police i saw uh, but i want to uh i know they burned down like a, a car dealership um and there was, was a building it, it, too I, I, yeah yeah it was a it wasn't a police station but it was something right. it was something it was something connected to detainment in some way and they burnt that bitch down right. um so you know and it, obviously you know we knew that situation was going to get very shaky in the light um as all the protests have done but especially ones that have you know resulted in any type of property destruction like property fucking matters but um it all kind of came to a head uh two nights ago when um amidst the protests in kenosha wisconsin a 17 year old man 17 year old piece of shit by the name of kyle rittenhouse uh shot and killed two people and has left the third one seriously injured during the Kenosha, Wisconsin protests, protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, there are so many things wrong with this situation, Wes. Um, literally a checklist of wrong that has to be gone through before we get through the situation. Let's start this bitch from the 10 now. First of all, this man is 17 with an AR rifle. Uh, second, he came across state lines. Let me... Uh... From, from Illinois into Wisconsin just to march outside with a fucking gun and shoot people. Peaceful protest during uh, a protest. Okay, I thought, oh, okay, it's not as far as I thought, but it's uh, a good 30, 30, 30, 40 minutes. He drove still to... Still, yeah. I, you know, that's, I mean... Crossing state lines go, to go protect it, somebody. Because, to go protect somebody else's property. When asked why was he there to protect the property in Kenosha, Wisconsin, nigga, you're not from Wisconsin. You don't know shit about Wisconsin. That's not your property, right? <laughs> Ain't got shit to do with you, brother. Stay your ass um, home. Stay your young ass home. Uh, a man who is Blue Lives Matter, a man who is Proud Boy affiliated. He was a he man, was a front row in a Trump rally recently. Front row at a Trump rally. Um, uh, uh, a man who aspired to become a police officer. Huh. Big shock there. Um, and a man who, by all accounts, is someone who has actively, consistently, at 17 years old, consistently engaged in the oppression of black people. And, you know, there have been, again... You get on Twitter, and the first comment under every one of these stories is always a white person trying to twist the narrative. 
trying to justify something, trying to justify anything. You you know what the fuck happened? This guy started shooting at people. He shot one person, right? Then people, including the dude with the skateboard, ran up on him to try to disarm him. Uh, swung the fuck out of that skateboard in his head. I'm talking, uh, I'm talking prime, prime Carlos Delgado. And, you know, tried to disarm him because he had already shot somebody. So they tried to disarm him. He walked away initially, then came back, came back, came back to the situation after being gone and then shot at more people, killing two people. Two white people with that. White people who literally went out there and died for the cause. Supporting the cause. And trying, trying to speak out against oppression and everything that's going on. And they had to turn around and lose their lives to, to a fucking coward. Um, and um, worst of all, he shot these people dead in cold blood. He then walked past police officers well first he, Let- he was walking to police officers yes mm-hmm. letting them know that i think but i don't I didn't, I didn't see the full video and get attention on the audio of him but letting the officers know he had a gun um and they had shot people um and the officers gave him the order to stop coming towards us mm-hmm. which he did not comply with he kept going forward he kept walking to him and then they they kind of he kind of just walked past them um without any type of interaction um, or being arrested or detained or anything like that. Um, got a tweet here. He was 17, not of legal age to have a gun. He brought an illegally acquired gun across state lines. Mm-hmm. He shot a man in the head, not in self-defense, but defending property that wasn't his own. Mm-hmm. He was chased so that they could disarm him after his first murder. He then shot in quote-unquote self-defense, hitting multiple people. As they ran away, he turned around and started to walk away. He then turned back around and started shooting into the crowd again, shooting another person. He then walked up to the SWAT team and the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department, signaling that he shot three people. They, like you said, were telling him to stop walking towards the vehicle. He did not comply with those orders. He was not shot. He was not disarmed. He was not detained. They let him go. He left the city and turned himself in in his hometown back in Illinois. So, just comparing the two situations, Jacob Blake broke up a fight between two black women or two women. Got was and as soon as the cops pulled up, no weapon in sight, no resistance. Got immediately got out the car and tased him. Tried to get back to the car to get to his kids. Shot him seven times while his back was turned, just feet away from his kids. He is now paralyzed and handcuffed to a hospital bed because he apparently is the criminal here. This coward came across state lines just to shoot people, just to kill people out of pure hatred. Killed people, told the cops that he killed people, walked up to the cops with a weapon, was not shot, was not even arrested. They let him go. And I think, I believe the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department said something about the fog of war or not. There's a lot going on. And so they couldn't, they couldn't figure out who was who and couldn't, some wild shit like that. Um, 
and he walked away and probably went to Burger King. That's crazy, man. And he got to go home and sleep in his bed while Jacob Blake fought for his life, handcuffed to a hospital bed. That's see the duality of, 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 of the same police force. Same police force all necessary to shoot Jacob Blake in the back seven times, so necessary to let this this kid, underage kid with the with the, with the AR fifteen, walk past him and go about his day calmly. That is that is the definition of white privilege. And it, it's crazy when you see uh one of the pictures that they've been using over the past couple of years of uh, the police with a, a black guy handcuffed and there's a white guy with a bunch of guns walking by. Mm-hmm. We literally saw That's exactly the embodiment of that picture happen over these past couple of days in Kenosha. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse has now been charged with uh, multiple counts of homicide, but it doesn't even matter. Um, this is what causes revolts. This is what causes revolutions. This is what drives people to the point of anarchy. This is when, again, and I'm not justifying this or saying that this is what we need to do or what I would do or anything that I would condone, but this is when people just start walking up and down the street and randomly harassing and beating the shit out of anybody that they come across. Rodney King. Rodney King. When they pulled the, the truck driver out of the out of the truck and beat the fuck out of him. He didn't have anything to do with any of that situation. He was literally just trying to do his job and he was brutally attacked by a gang of angry people. And not again, I would never justify that or condone that. They are you know, some people are just as innocent as, you know, people, black people who are victims of these shootings. But that's what systemic anger over systemic issues pushes people to. And years and years and years and years and years of fighting with no end in sight and with people who, quite frankly, don't care whether you live or die. And those are the type of consequences they end up happening, you know, and nobody wants that to happen. Obviously, that would be bad for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you reach a point where it's like, literally, what do we have to do to get people to listen? What do we have to do to get people to understand that you can't just post a black square and go back to your everyday life? What has to happen for white people's everyday lives to be shaken up by this? That's a, and that's the question. The tweet. People don't listen. We march peacefully. People don't listen. We loot and destroy. People don't listen. It's it, there's we've we're, we're trying and exhausting every option that we every have, and it doesn't seem to be working. So naturally, the next step is, is going to be something drastic. I mean, I know you said nobody really wants that to happen, but if we are heard continually. And the same shit keeps happening, keeps happening. Logically, there's there's only one place to go. Yeah, and you know we've seen it um, in so many countries. You know we've seen again revolutions and and whatnot, and you know people, um, you know revolting against slave masters, people re- revolting against the uh, the bourgeoisie. I was gonna say randomly, but yo, getting killed by a guillotine must fucking suck, dog. 
Yeah, bro. I mean, I imagine it's pretty quick, yeah, but still, like you, like they they drag you over to the town square and shit, niggas laughing at you, <laughs> and then you you all like walk up and you see like the big ass razor blade they got on top of the thing, and you got to lay down, and they they might start pump faking with you, like <laughs> give you a fake little countdown, and then not do it. Hey man, that's better than getting stoned to death. I saw a video oh, of somebody getting stoned oh, to death. Man. Yeah, bro, and he that dude even he got to like like, actually cover himself, he was just getting hit with so many rocks that he couldn't do shit. Oh, I'm Nigga. I was, I was like, yo, fetal, fetal, fetal. And he was in the fetal yeah. just getting smoked. And, 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 cause normally, when people get stoned to death, they'll, like, bury you and, like, make sure only your head is showing. And you can't stop nothing. Nah, this man was standing up and just got rocked. Man, that was crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but, but, regardless, you know, we've seen these revolutions happen, you know, in the all different periods throughout the history of time and it's praised it's praised in our history books mm-hmm. these people are remembered fondly these people get movies and tv shows you know these people become romanticized and but if that were to happen now the country would literally never recover from it like i can't see a situation in which a race war pops off and then when it's all you know we signed the treaty of paris and then mm-hmm. <laughs> and then niggas just go back to their separate corners. Yeah, yeah. If that were to ever happen, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I think that's something that would just just be ongoing, and would truly change the face of the world. It would. Um, ain't, ain't listen. Ain't no Treaty of Versailles for curb stomping somebody. I. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the, tr- <laughs> the Treaty of Youngstown is what, is what <laughs> brings us all together. So I mean, it's um, you know, it, but it's. Again, it, the the best word and the word that I find myself using most often throughout this entire situation is, is so disheartening. It is difficult to have the energy to press on every single day and have the energy to and also know that this is going to happen again. Yeah. You know, this this you know, this whole this whole thing, you know, this new era of I, I quote unquote new era police brutality start all the way back, you know, with Sean Bell in 2003. Or three, three, four, five, somewhere in that range. And we've seen how many of these stories, how many of these stories have we actually forgotten because we get so many new ones every day. And from, you know, Sean Bill, you know, like the Amadou Diallo. Yes. um, To Oscar Grant, to Trayvon Martin, to Mike Brown, to Sandra Bland, you know, it's to Philando Castile, to Breonna Taylor, and, you know, all dipping and ducking back through and, and around, all all of these names. Um, and there's going to be more. And when the next one happens, then what? And then the next one happens, then what? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, I think the most disheartening part is that we haven't seen any evidence that this will change, and it's, it's heartening. It's frustrating, and it, it's ang- the most. Ang- it brings about just a lot of anger as well. It's because there we haven't seen it. We don't know when this is truly going to stop. No, and you know that this same question is a question that what now is what has arisen. You know, throughout the NBA and their boycott of, 
you know, in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been hearing hints, you know, going all the way back to when this event occurred that, you know, teams like the Raptors, it, it takes a light skinned nigga in Canada to, <laughs> you know, Drake is the answer, to, I told you. Uh, and to put the idea of, no, it's Fred Van Vliet. Same, Thank you very much. Person. <laughs> to put the idea of a boycott out. And if, when I first saw that story a few days ago, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I quoted and I was like, don't just put it out there. Do it. Don't put it out there if you don't plan on actually following through. And they followed through. So uh, the NBA players um, decided to boycott. Um, today is Thursday, you know, as we record this podcast. They decided to boycott Wednesday's games after the Milwaukee Bucks, who, of course, you know, in Wisconsin, just minutes away from. So about 30 minutes away from Milwaukee. Um, yeah, um, from where Jacob Blake was shot, did the only thing that they could do, and they decided to boycott their first-round game against the Magic. The Magic actually came out to play, found out that the Bucks weren't playing, and then left the court, which I, I don't know. I don't know what Jonathan Isaac uh, halftime speeches been sounding like, but the fact that they even came out the locker room is a little wild. Well, well he's not there anymore, if you'll recall. He uh, tore his knee up after not uh... – did, did he leave the bubble, though? I would assume so to get surgery and whatnot. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's kind of the bucks. They ain't got no operating room at Disney. They ain't got no secret operating room where Walt Disney infused himself with the, with the blood of ex-slaves Listen, to I, keep I, himself going. I'm not at liberty to uh, discuss <laughs> what I saw on my trip to Disney World in 2002. But, um, yes, I don't think he was there. But still, it's, uh, it was interesting to see kind of the, the Bucks never left the locker room whatsoever. And you know, mm-hmm. the Magic came out. And we're pretty much ready to go. Um, refs were out there and everything. And I was watching uh, on the on the job. Shout out to my job. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, that's kind of weird. The Bucks ain't getting out there. And I started reading Twitter and seeing the tweets and everything. And then you saw the momentum of the tweets pouring out saying the Bucks were thinking about boycotting the game. Um, and then I watched the Magic run back to the locker room. Um, and then eventually the refs walked back to wherever they – the ref room. And um, mm-hmm. the official word came down that the uh, the Bucks were boycotting the game, and that kind of set off the a bomb because we have never seen that in the history of sports where a team, as a unit, as a unified group of of, of individuals, decides they're not going to play due to a certain cause. Yeah, and um, you know at that point, it took the the matter out of the hands of the other teams. You can't. A team can't boycott, and then the other teams be like, "Oh shit, no! Nah, well, good luck, niggas. Uh, we gonna keep playing." Nah. Mm, well, so and okay, I'm not the GM. <laughs> it kind of forced their hands. So then, all the games, all the teams decided to boycott, mm-hmm. and all the, the games for that day were canceled, including uh, the Lakers potentially putting Dame Lillard away. Um, and potentially. And then, um, and, you know, the WNBA also canceled its full slate of games for Wednesday and Thursday. I'm not quite sure when the WNBA is coming back. Um, and then three MLB games were po- postponed, of course, by, you know, uh, Seattle, who has the highest percentage of black players in the league, but also a couple other games. So they, and they, up. Um, they did. And the NHL canceled their games for a day as well. Now, that's the most interesting part to me is that when you see – like the NBA team canceled, the Bucks canceled, and the Magic canceled. You can safely assume the rest of the NBA follow mm-hmm. step because their NBA is pretty united 
as a group and making decisions. Um, but when you see other sports, and like when I saw baseball decide to get involved, I did, like I sent you guys the link. I was like, wait a minute, like baseball is thinking about doing some shit. Um, and it's rare you see these fucking hockey, hockey, nigga. Them hockey about white as hell. Um, and for them to even consider doing something like this, that that speaks to kind of the situation that the country's in now, because typically these events only really kind of affect for the most part, kind of black people. They affect yeah. m- most recently with the George Floyd situation. Everybody's kind of been pitching in, like throwing their, their little black squares and stuff like that in. Mm-hmm. But typically, this, these are kind of NBA issues. And to see this reach to other sports um, was the most profound thing to me. This is kind of a hopeful, hopeful sign to see, like, hey, other sports are kind of saying, hey, man, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad to see that. Yeah, man. Um, I baseball, man. Especially you know teams like the Cubs, bro. And again, I what the fuck do you expect from the Cubs? Um, and and we will get into another Chicago team a little later on my L's of the week. But you you talk about the Cubs, North Side of Chicago. We know the history. You know, elitist as fuck. You know, racist as fuck in a lot of areas. Um, probably one of the most white privilege soaked franchises in all of sports i'm talking up there with you know the the maple leafs and the red Sox and the patriots and you know teams of that nature so for for jason hayward who jason hayward has been for a long time or had been one of the best all-around players in baseball and had been one of the premier black athletes in all the baseball sport that doesn't have a lot of black athletes. And for him to stand up, you know, for the Cubs, a guy who has been, you know, proclaimed as a team leader, a locker room guy, the guy who rallied the Cubs during the fucking um, rain delay that fucking Terry Francona decided to send Brian Shaw back the fuck out for in the 10th inning to beat the Indians in Game 7 of the World Series. Sorry about that. <laughs> ben Zob- my nigga Ben Zobris held it down. Let's go. <laughs> um, a guy who galvanized the team in their the most important moment in the history of their franchise. You know, a guy who's been a locker room guy, who's been uh, supportive, you know, captain, all that shit. And for him to say, you know, out of respect for Jacob Blake, out of respect for, you know, all of my people, I'm sending out tonight's game. And it was like, all right, nigga, well, see ya. And actually went out there and played. That's foul. That's foul as fuck. And for the vast majority of Major League Baseball to continue to go on and play while the NHL sat, the fucking NHL, there's like two black players in the whole NHL. Mm-hmm. A lot of the cities that have NHL teams have no black people at all. Mm-hmm. However, they decided to sit in solidarity. But the MLB decided that, oh, we need to be the ones that could continue to play no matter what. Another terrible decision. Another, you know, just, just absent-minded, you know, harmful decision by a league that has made nothing but missteps over the past six months. So it's, it's tough to see because kind of 
I know Jason, I, I saw read something that he was like urging the guys to play too, but that's something you see your, your teammate, your brother is in a bad position. He's down. You stand with him. That's it. You you put your shit to the side. You might not even agree with him, but you that that's your brother, that's your so called team leader. You you gotta stand with him in that situation. Fuck fuck the game. Fuck whatever's going on. He's hurting. We gotta stand with him in, in, in this time. That's it, bro. I mean that's 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 all it comes down to and just how how insensitive and how fucking tone deaf can you be? Um, but you know, again, MLB is MLB. Um, but overall, you know, so we we got you know, these boycotts, these NBA boycotts for Wednesday and for Thursday. Um, then we started seeing, you know, a lot of reports coming out in the the meetings that took place after, um, you know, the official statement was made. And, um, you know, shout out to Shams, Sham God. Shout out to Woj, uh, Sam Amick. And a lot of other people. My nigga Chris Haynes, say his name. Yeah, Chris Haynes, sure. No fuck Chris Haynes? He cool. Hmm. No, it's Chris Palmer that I hate. Okay, I got it. I was like, wait a second. I was like, wait a second. Uh, You know, I fuck with Chris Haynes tough. Um, Well, yeah, like uh, we saw the NBA, we saw the reports from all the guys saying the NBA was going to have a meeting 8 o'clock last night, Mm kind of discuss everything. Um, so I was glued to my timeline, like I was gonna get, like I was gonna be in the meeting. Um, and what came from that is <laughs> a lot of going back and forth. Uh, teams and individuals saying we should play, we shouldn't play. Um, First came out with the Lakers and the Clips, basically saying we not playing, suck our dicks. That's very important. Yeah, I was going to say that because I, I had a list. I seen the tweet earlier, kind of mm-hmm. like. Who was speaking? I saw like Doc was speaking. Chris mm-hmm. Paul spoke. I think Kyle Korver Doc spoke. Was, Doc was speaking. Could you actually hear him? It's enough time, sir. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh man, but um, yeah. So they had a bunch of guys talk. That man sounds um, like he eats a pack of cigarettes for breakfast each day. Glenn's a nice guy, man. He's <laughs> a real, real stand-up, stand-up dude. But um, <laughs> so they had a, in the players meeting. They invited all the teams that were on campus and had different people spoke and they were kind of going back and forth on should we play should we continue can we use our 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 platform that we have down here to continue to to push these issues to get some change or or should we say fuck this go home and work on issues kind of from our home and abandon the bubble um and then toward the end of that meeting allegedly they had a vote and the lakers and clippers like you said said um yeah we're doing this whole bubble shit nigga we good. And, and Bron, Bron grabbed his little man bag, just like the the gif, and the he gif. walked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Old man grabbed his, his cane <laughs> and started boogieing, and everybody uh, everybody followed. Well, not everybody. Clippers and Lakers followed him out. Um, the other teams allegedly voted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was some some big news coming in last night. Um, yeah, and, and there were there were a lot of other um, there were a lot of issues and things that were brought up in the meeting. Um, the first was apparently a lot of teams were upset that the Bucks didn't share their plan to boycott. Um, and how you, how you feel about that? Do you think the Bucks should have reached out to the Magic? I they should have at the very least reached out to the Magic, yes, because then the Magic looked like, as we mentioned earlier, they looked like assholes uh, for even going out there. But you come to find out that they didn't really, they didn't know. 
You know, they didn't really know what was going on and this wasn't discussed. So they at least needed to share with the Magic. And then after they talked to the Magic, probably talked to everybody else. I guess Kyle Korver, of course, became the spokesperson (laughs) for the Bucks um, and talked to the other teams about the fact that, you know, they should have spoken up about it. Yeah, real quick, I do want to add. Yeah. um, So while the Bucks were in the locker room not coming out to the game, um, what they did do was reach out to, I believe, was the attorney general. Yes. For state of Wisconsin, yeah, state of Wisconsin to kind of, and I think one said the uh, lieutenant governor or somebody. I don't know if they spoke with the governor, mm-hmm. but they're reaching out to people in, in power in the state of Wisconsin to kind of see what they could do or what there was to be done about the, the, the Jacob Blake situation and what they could use kind of their platform to do. So I think that was exceptionally dope Absolutely. for them to go ahead and say, "Hey, we got this power. Mm-hmm. Let's put this power to use." And, and, and we're going to circle back around to that um, in just a second, but. So the Bucks obviously did the right thing, you know, leveraging their platform and leveraging, you know, their visibility to be able to try to actually, you know, incite some type of change. So, um, you know, we get to the meeting again, you know, Lakers and the Clippers didn't want to play or, or said they wanted to um, postpone the rest of the postseason. Um, I guess a lot of teams in the meeting demanded um, an explanation for the Bucks making the abrupt decision to boycott the game. Uh, apparently, the majority of teams and Jalen Brown said that the Bucks did not need any explanation on why they decided not to play, which is the correct answer, Jalen Brown. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you Jalen Brown, he's, he's been doing a lot. Yes. Um, through protesting and he's really hands-on and involved in stuff. Shout out to him, Brown. Um, then again, Brian, uh, Brian and the Lakers and the Clippers decide to, you know, decide to say no. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we don't want to play. Both LeBron and Kawhi spoke in the players meeting and were adamant, adamant about not playing until they saw some change. And then there was another meeting uh, scheduled for today, um, earlier today. And um, <laughs> all of a sudden, Yahoo sources, Chris Haynes, there was a change in position from last night with LeBron, relaying it was in their best interest to finish out the season, which means Rich Paul hit that nigga line and said, nigga, get your black ass out on the court. And that's what happened. Yeah, so if the NBA didn't finish, they could, uh, they were most likely going to have a lockout yes. coming into the next season, and mm-hmm. that could fucking and renegotiate CBA, which could fuck up the bag for everybody. Yes, and, um, you know, they... They talked, um, you know, about the fact that, you know, and then we, we saw a number of tweets from verified sources, you know, throughout the night and the morning today, basically saying that the players, a, a lot of them, you know, maybe not the majority, but a lot of the teams were basically taking the stance that, man, unless we actually know for sure we get some type of tangible change and we get more support from the owners uh, specifically um, in doing so, that we're not going to play. Then all of a sudden it changed and then said, okay, well, looks like they're going to finish the season. The owner, the owner's meeting, you know, will take place later. Um, and they had a, the owner's meeting. Um, you know, some of the players had the opportunity to speak with the board of governors and um, they, uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened. And multiple sources came out of that meeting saying that there was frustration because you know there was uh there was there was the whole point of them protesting and boycotting was to make sure that they again could use their platform to incite change 
and absolutely nothing came out of speaking to the owners. And, you know, you see reports from fucking Chris Mannix, bitch ass. Um, I used to think Chris Mannix was a decent writer, but God, he is fucking annoying. He then says, oh, well, there's a prevailing thought that what more can the owners do? They've already allowed them to wear messages on the back of their jerseys and put Black Lives Matter on the court and committed uh, $500 million to social change over the next 10 years. What more can they do? And our guy Trilly quoted the tweet and said, <laughs> they did the bare minimum. Their hands are tied. And that, bro, that is the truth. And I was very disappointed to find out that the season was going to resume. I'm going to be honest. And um, I was very disappointed because, you know, I did not follow Kyrie's train of thought that, the players should not have gone to the bubble and that the playoffs should not have, you know, started or the season should not have resumed. The reason I say that is because if the players would not have decided to resume the season, yeah, they could have, as Kyrie stated, take that time to shine a light on the injustices in America and, and, and invest in programs and, and policy change and, and all the other things that we're looking for. However, it would have fallen out of the news cycle within a couple of weeks. And I guarantee that because that we know how the media is driven in this country. That's not what they're trying to hear. That's not, that's not, these aren't attention grabbing headlines. These aren't things that are going to shake the table them, but actually going to the bubble and then boycotting in the middle of the bubble while all eyes are on them while new broadcasting deals have been put in motion specifically for the bubble, while they are, you know, the major of the major sports going on right now, and then saying, nah, fuck that. We'll come back when y'all decide to do something. I feel like that's a lot more effective than not going to the bubble at all. So I do want to say that, but at the same time, this decision for them to just go back to playing is just like every other decision that we've seen from every other athlete and celebrity and whomever else, um, you know, throughout these times, these tumultuous times, these times of turmoil, because it means exactly what happened. If something was going to change, it was going to change coming out of that meeting. And if they, if the players did not put their foot, their feet down and say, this is it, playoffs or busts or change or nothing, then the owners were going to find a way to then go back, then regroup, as you said, you know, regroup, talk about a lockout for next season, you know, talk about all these other ways in which they can cripple the players' union, you know, and actually hurt the players um, financially or any other way. They got time to regroup, and they got time to then come back to them with those decisions, which, of course, ended up scaring them off. And... It's disheartening. Again, I've used that word seven times throughout this podcast, but it really fucking sucks because this was the moment. This was the moment to say our lives, our black lives matter, social justice matters more than any game in any basketball. We saw, again, uh, Dragonfly Jones with that uh, Brian, uh, playing that Brian Dick Flute solo, um, talking about LeBron's going to be known as the one the one player, the one athlete who sacrificed more than anything in his life in order to impact change. Oh, my God, I love him so much. Samesies, bro. 
Sandwich, like a um, so you mean to tell me, and, and I got a lot of respect for Dragonfly Jones, and he has a lot of great takes. So you, so you mean to tell me that Brian is going to go down with Muhammad Ali, with Bill Russell, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, with Jim Brown, for what they sacrificed, even for a fucking Craig Hodges, <laughs> for what yeah. for what he sacrificed in order to speak on these fucking issues that are literally killing us, that are not just physically killing us, you know, actually getting shot out on the street by cops, but also extremely, extremely emotionally traumatic and damaging, weighing on our psyches, continuing generational cycles of unbreakable trauma. So yeah. you, he, you really fixed your fucking mouth to come out and say that Bron, LeBron James, as, 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 much as we, we talk about Brian and we talk about all the great things that he has done, you thought that he was going to be the one that was going to be most remembered for what he quote-unquote sacrificed at, at age 35 after he's made close to a billion dollars, after he's won three wing, rings already. Yeah, it's uh, LeBron. That's not to demean LeBron and what he's no. done at all, but yeah, it's a kind of try to put him on that same pedestal as other guys who we've seen give more and, and much more tumultuous times. Um that's a little that's a little a little reachy. A little yeah. little hand jobby. But um one thing I do because I'm a little bit on the opposite side of, of where you're coming from mm-hmm. in that I think that the players can kind of make their not the most uh impact while still playing and remaining in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a unique opportunity that they can still use. Like we've seen uh, players who conduct their interviews, who we've seen players who don't answer any questions that have anything to do with the games, but they're only talking about Breonna Taylor or they're only talking about uh, George Floyd related topics. Um, we're seeing them with the names and jerseys, which, which is okay. Um, Black Lives Matters on the court. Um, and the conversations when you're talking about the games a good chunk of the, the broadcast conversations are about social issues as well. Um, I know another reason they kind of voted to go back to play too was uh, I was reading that they had uh, conversations that not everybody, not all the players could kind of financially sustain and that's losing fair. out on, on some of that. So that's kind of because not everybody is set up like the bronze or your Chris Paul. You got a lot of guys kind of on your rookie and, and, deal. And, and this is why NBA vice president Kyrie Irving. NBA Players Association vice president said, y'all need to be saving y'all coins, but niggas don't listen to Kyrie. Marshawn told you guys about the chicken. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so um, so it is kind of tough to kind of say we are standing up for that cause, but then putting those who are kind of less fortunate, not less fortunate because you're, you're still NBA, still making NBA salad, but those kind of less off than the, the big boys in that situation. But like, I think they can continue to do – what they've been doing and, and ramp it up. Um, I think they can, I think they're still going to have conversations. Um, damn. Uh, Lute Olsen died. RP Lute Olsen. Um, been died. Uh, not according to my update. I, man, all, all everything, bro. I thought he'd been died. Did you, did you kill him in one of our previous podcasts? Um, but I think like th- this is the conversation we'll continue with the owners throughout the playoffs on um, initiatives and things that can get done. Um, but I do I do like your point is to kind of saying, hey, we'll start the bubble and then stop it. Um, 
to, to make that statement and prove a point. But I, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong decision here. Um, whereas leaving a bubble and, and going to impact that way or staying and kind of make the best impact you can down here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that I'm, I'm kind of with the players and kind of whatever they, they decide to do and however they kind of decide to, to protest. But I do like them saying, finally stepping up and saying, hey, we're going to actually put this pressure on these owners, owners and on these ownership groups to put the coin to places where we want it to go. But, um, but let me ask you, Wes. Yes, sir. If they just decide to go out and play now mm-hmm. um, without anything being settled, without anything concrete or tangible being put in place, what pressure is on the owners? Um, right, right now in this second, which, is, this, which is what we are we're talking about, basically. Right. Not, you know, committing $500 million to 10 years, you know, down the road. Right now in this second, what pressure is on them now? I think the pressure is gone. I I think they're not going to re-boycott. I see. I you see. You, you can you can always kind of say, hey, because again, we don't know when the next uh, shooting is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think the players kind of can. I think that's kind of like a little the little ace in the hole saying, hey, if you guys really aren't putting the effort towards making this change, this shit's over. Um, and I think that's something that they have now and can wield. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a uh, I don't even think necessarily it would be even, even be a bad look if we run these next two weeks and we have no no concrete plan because it is tough to kind of just come up with a plan of action in a couple of days. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so, agree, but I just I I feel you know we we are huge sports sports fans and you know yeah. we, we understand the gravity, obviously the gravity of the situation, but also understand that. It, leagues, bro, players associations only have so much leverage, you know, mm-hmm. with whatever it is, whether it's CBA negotiations or things like this, you know, whatever. And there are times to strike. And once those windows pass, that is it. I find it. I can't see it based off of my knowledge of players unions, professional players unions, that they would actually re-boycott through sometime in this playoffs. I can't see that happening personally uh, from a realistic perspective. And so it's like, to me, they reached a point where they had the chance and they said no. So now I'm sure the owners are trying to get all types of fail saves in place to make sure that something like this does not happen again throughout the rest of the, at, at least the rest of this bubble. And if something like this does happen again, then there's going to be, Penalties, severe penalties, and severe damages for the players. Um, well, I was, well, I was reading something that said just like the the Bucks. There's already language, um, I believe, in the CBA. I think like the Bucks could have been fined like five million dollars mm. for them boycotting this last previous game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, honestly, I think the CBA kind of has a has a big wields a big big. It's a big issue yeah. in finishing this season because I think what I would kind of say if I was kind of the players, I would trying to play the season out, and then when, when it's time to renegotiate that CBA, try to get a chunk of that, of, of the TV revenue, to go towards some of these causes. Mm-hmm. And, and let, yeah, and, you know, I'm okay, you know, if they would have dis- just decided to continue playing, I'm okay with that. You know, like, I do I think that's the best course of action? No. But if they would have, 
you know, I, I get it. I understand, you know, what's at stake. Um, however, you know, I, um, I feel as if everything that has happened, you know, going back to really my era of consciousness, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, social, social justice and police brutality and whatnot as an adult, I think for most of us, it began with Trayvon Martin. And you go back and you look at that now, you know, going on, we're coming up on a decade now um, since, since the Trayvon Martin killing. And I see so much missed opportunity. You know, I see missed opportunity. I see people who elected not to vote as we talked about, you know, in depth on our um, our last episode about, you know, not liking Joe Biden, not liking Kamala Harris and, you know, these these uh, overly smart hoteps who think they can somehow outthink the system when nobody has been able to outthink the system in 400 years. Um, you know, I, we look at that. We look at times where, you know, people, celebrities, athletes had the opportunity to stand up and really kind of make that stand and decided that money mattered more or their visibility or clout mattered more. I look at times as a people, we have had the chance to make a stand, to not go back to our regularly scheduled timelines, to continue to keep these conversations going, to continue, keep these marches going, to keep the art demands going. But ultimately we always decide to go back to everyday life. And this, for some reason, bro, like it just, it strikes me it strikes me so deeply and it, it you know, <laughs> so crazy. DJ ZD, um, the man of a million Twitter nudes. Mm. Um, he, I, I saw him tweeting because he, um, he's a very big fan duel player, I believe. So he was, he didn't care about the boycott. He was pissed that uh, the games got canceled. And, you know, he was talking a bunch of shit and a lot of people were criticizing him, rightfully so. But one thing he said was he was like, man, this shit is all fake. Like this, all all this shit, this boycott, this shit's for clout. If 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 this actually meant something, if this was something that I could get behind, I wouldn't be complaining. But I know that people are just doing it because they feel like they have to, and not because they necessarily stand for it. And obviously, that does not that that description does not, you know, pertain to the entire NBA. There are a lot of people. In, there obviously are a lot of people in the NBA, you know, you could even say the majority of people in the NBA that really obviously do care about, you know, the issues that we face as a people. However, he ain't completely wrong. And I feel in my soul, it's sizzling in my spirit. I feel that, you know, a big part of this was it, it, it kind of does feel, feel like, okay, we did it because we had to, you know, they could have not boycotted at all. They could have finished out the season and then decided to renegotiate the CBA or make that work. It felt like, I won't go as far as to say as grandstanding, but man, how the fuck, bro? How the fuck do, does something so drastic, so violent, so abhorrent, so blatantly foul happen and only the Lakers and the Clippers dis- decides or votes to not play. It seems like there were a lot of people in the league 
that were really, really, really against this. And why are they against it? Yeah, we talked about all the other mitigating factors. But at the end of the day, they're against it, or some of them are against it because they care about themselves the most. They care about basketball the most. And if, if this is the one game you've been playing your whole life, you became a professional athlete to do, that's fine. You're allowed to feel that way. But I'm not with the pump faking right now, bro. I'm not. I'm not. Don't, don't, don't step out here. Don't step into the spotlight pretending like you're trying to do shit. And then when it's time, you back the fuck down to keep playing fucking basketball. I love basketball. But right now, I don't care. This don't matter to me. This is not what's important to me. And it, I know that's easy for me to say. You know, I, I don't have millions of dollars at stake with this. But if you are really about it, and you t- as much as people talk about being about it, as, as many times as Brian has read the first page of, <laughs> of, of, of militant black power books, then be about it. And if you're not going to be about it, then don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation. Like, I... I, I mean, it's hard for me to kind of kind of tell them to do that, you know what I mean, without knowing everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And because it's kind of suffers to tell, to tell a nigga or to have a nigga say, hey, yo, quit your job. Yeah. For the cause and, and figure something else. See, I mean, it, see, but that's the thing. They can afford to quit their jobs. Maybe not everybody. Say, yeah, some, some of them maybe, can. Maybe not everybody, but still, even even rookies on the veteran minimum or on the rookie minimum are making three four dollars $400,000. You feel me? You say you know how contracts work. You're not seeing all that money, three hundred thousand dollars after everything turns into to one fifty, and then you got a lockout coming, not knowing when the season is gonna come back on. You might get paid again. You paying your mama's light bill and all that shit. Yeah, no, no, and of course you're right about that. But but when I say afford to, I don't mean that every player is in the same position. No, you know, you know, every player has the same responsibilities. But what I mean is. This is the reason why people look historically have always looked to athletes, look to celebrities to kind to kind of be the voice, the voices and the faces of this movement. Now, we, we already said it a few pods back. This revolution is going to be grassroots. Mm-hmm. I, this is going to come as, you know, people we galvanize as a people and we unite to form one, one band, one sound. And make our singular voice heard and to scream that shit at the top of our lungs until somebody listens. But historically, the reason why people have always looked to those people is because they typically are in a better position in terms of the spotlight, in terms of exposure and financially to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take a stand while somebody, you know, who lives in their mom's house and works at the gas station may not be able to take that same stance because they literally can't live any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, not, not saying right or wrong, but I'm saying like, these are obviously, these are the, the justifications for Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, there's kind of right on both sides, kind of wrong on both sides. And it's just really interesting to see this actually happening and bearing out. Yeah. Um, Cause I, this is something I would have never imagined even Happening, like, I would have never imagined games being canceled. People, people stop playing because of because of the situation. Uh-huh. So for us to even be in this point, I think it, it, it's strong and it, it's historical. Um, so kind of seeing where this goes moving forward, um, we are living uh, living history right now. Yeah, it's going to be looked back upon and, and shown and taught 
pivotal time. Yeah. So and, this is a extended scene, man. And when, you know, and I think that's my whole sentiment. That's my whole take. When we look back on this era, you know, are we going to look at these guys, you know, as it, the league that has been heralded as being so progressive, you know, for the last decade? Um, are we going to look back on these guys as, you know, the game changers, you know, for lack of a better term? Are we going to look at these these guys as the people who, you know, were willing willing to risk it all and put it all on the line, you know, for the sake of equality or for, or for the sake of justice? Or are they just going to be footnotes? You know, is this NBA boycott going to be a footnote? Or is it going to be the linchpin is going to be the catalyst for a revolution. Who knows? But um, we shall see, brother. Yeah, we shall see. But before we get out of here, um, there have been a ridiculous amount of ignorant takes all throughout the world. Obviously, this week we've talked about, you know, the Republican National Convention, which, you know, set off fireworks while, you know, people are protesting in the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um you know, over this unjust killing or shooting. Uh, thank God he is still alive, you know, but yep. what we don't, we have no idea what quality of life he's going to have or if he's even going to end up in jail after this. But um, there's been a lot of terrible takes. We talked about Herschel Walker, uh, talked about Lou Holtz. Um, there's one in particular that I really need to draw attention to because it, it, it pinpoints and you know, kind of takes aim at a very particular subset of American culture that I feel slides too often. We, we talk about, I talked earlier about, you know, holding people accountable, holding your racist family, your aunts and uncles on Facebook, holding them accountable. And I feel the same way about Bears fans, <laughs> you know, uh, we talked about the earlier. I feel the same way about Bears fans, but specifically I feel very strongly about the legends that played for these teams with rabidly racist fan bases. Um, so you talk about a lot of these North teams. You talk about Boston. You talk about the Patriots. You talk about, you know, Green Bay. And you talk about Chicago Bears. And – Bears fans are very similar to Cubs fans. I already described them earlier, so I ain't got to describe them again. You know exactly who the fuck they are. But I think I feel that a lot of people, these so-called legends from these organizations, have been empowered by the ignorance of their fan bases. And that brings me to my L of the Week, which belongs to Chia Pet Head Brian Erlacher. Um, Brian Erlacher is someone who, again, was always, you know, heralded as one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL, one of the best players in all the NFL. There was a debate for a number of years of who was better between him and Ray Lewis, um, which who's more problematic between him and Ray Lewis. That's the question here. Um, so today, uh, Brian Erlacher decided to go on Instagram and give his unsolicited thoughts about the Jacob Blake shooting that absolutely nobody asked for. Nobody. When I mean nobody, I mean fucking nobody. Yeah, and I don't recall. he goes on Instagram and he says, NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude 
reaching for a knife and wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. That was the second part. So, boycott the playoffs because the dude reaching for a knife wanted, uh, wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant, which none of this shit is factual, was shot by the police. The first part of this statement says Brett Favre played the Monday night football game the day his dad died, threw four touchdowns in the first half, and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. You, again, I said in our group chat, you want to talk about comparing apples to carburetors. These are not things that are even in the same fucking realm. At first, and he also contradicted himself because he said Brett Favre became a legend for playing, throwing four touchdown passes on the day that his dad died on Monday Night Football. Then in the second half of the statement, saying that the NBA players boycotted because a, a sexual um, a, assailant reaching for a knife got shot by police. So basically saying that Brett Favre played through real adversity and this is adversity, but it's just, it's just not as bad, essentially. So in me trying to wrap my head around the ignorance of this statement, it, it takes me back to one thing. It takes me back to the idea that black lives are trivialized and are diminished to the point where they are compared to Brett Favre playing a fucking football game. Brett Favre playing a, fo- a, a football game after, yes, a tragedy. Terrible thing when his dad died, um, and that, or he had a heart attack, and then a car accident afterwards. Terrible thing. But we are talking about the emotional you know, trauma and instability of the untimely death of one man, very unfortunate, um, versus the plight of an entire people. We are talking about, you know, Brett Favre deciding to play in memory of his father versus the NBA deciding to boycott to bring awareness to unsustainably ridiculous forms of violence, levels of violence. There, there's no, there's no, I, I'm, I'm upset you, you, uh, used valuable time to try to <laughs> decipher this statement because it's, it, it's on its face. It's ridiculous. When you think about it, it's even more ridiculous. And it's just, just very, very ignorant from a person that was, that was, uh, who has a platform and is held in, in high esteem by a lot of people. Um, some dumb shit he put out. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, it's, um, we are, again, our lives are devalued to the point of, you know, again, there's always a justification. There's a rationalization for every shooting that takes place in this country, regardless of the circumstance. It literally does not matter how it happened, when it happened, why it happened. There, I've seen people try to justify Breonna Taylor's shooting as she slept in her bed. You know, so um, that is something that it always it always comes back to. Um, but most importantly, somebody who Brian Urlacher, who played with a lot of black people, you know, for throughout his entire career, um, guys that he clearly didn't care that much about. And now that he's retired, it's letting his real feelings come out. Um, we can't speak on Brian Urlacher without speaking on Mike Dicka, that old piece of shit. And who has, you know, so many 
um, so many, you know, xenophobic, racist, homophobic statements over the years has made so many of these that we've really lost count. Um, and it comes from, again, comes from being empowered by a fan base who, um, who will support them no matter what and also empowers them, um, you know, with their own thoughts and their own ideals. You know, Brian Erlacher living in Chicago amongst that fan base, he can say whatever the fuck he wants and still walk up and down the north side of Chicago streets with no problem. Same with Mike Dicka. Um, or, or, you know how hard it was for me to cancel Mike Dicker, man. <laughs> After he's, he's, he's one of my favorite movies, man. I know, man. I know. I'm sorry, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, man, it's like this is this is bigger than just the L. You know, this doesn't just fall on Brian Urlacher. This falls on, you know, an entire group of people that continue to contribute to all of the things that we fight against actively every single day. Um, these sentiments, these. It's it it goes beyond ignorance. It's hate, um, you know. It 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 it's it goes way beyond just not knowing. It taps into you know a place in your soul where only truly evil individuals can get to, you know, a place that you know a normal, sane, rational person literally doesn't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to be able to reach. And these and these people they live their lives based on these quote unquote principles every day. Um, in the name of hate. And these are people that are motivated and live their lives and, and literally are kept going by the idea of holding other people down or feeling that even in their worst moments, in their worst times, that they are still better than somebody else. Brian Urlacher has a black son. He has a black son. And if his son was shot seven times in the back, he would not care what he did if he was reaching for a knife, any of the other circumstances, he would be distraught and he would be demanding answers just like Jacob Blake's parents are. Um, And that that doubles back to something I echo on this podcast week after week. Empathy, man. Empathy. The the, the lack of empathy that people have for someone who doesn't look like them or someone whose politics they don't agree with or or someone who who is off-putting to them. It's just... That is that, that if the world had more empathy than a lot of the issues and, and, and ills that we have gone through and continue to go through would be less. This and country, you're absolutely right, bro. This country revels in what I call extreme disassociation. Um, people will do the most, the, the most Simone Biles of mental gymnastics in order to be able to disassociate from a situation disassociate mm-hmm. from a killing a shooting disassociate from racism as a whole to disassociate from the plights of other people and you know oddly kind of put them at arm's length but also still have very strong and very irrelevant opinions about them and this feat is the reason why it's the number one reason you know, outside of, of, you know, just the inherent white privilege that America is what it is today. Um, you know, people don't care about people. People especially don't care about black people. And you reach a point where you realize that there is nothing, you know, to the Herschel Walkers of the world, to the Candace Owenses of the world, 
there is nothing that you can do to make white people like you to the Ben Carsons of the world. You're, you are nothing but a nigger with a hard R. Because if you in a Benz, you still a nigger in a coupe. Still a nigger in a coupe. Um, and that, that is what it is. There's no, you know, you, there's no amount of complying with police officers. There's no uh, amount of, quote unquote, doing the right thing. There's no amount of cooperation with police. There is no amount of living, quote unquote, living your life cleanly, living your life, you know, by the books that will prevent you from being in a situation like Jacob Blake. Nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. And the the sooner that the Coons, the Terry Cruises in our society figure that out, the sooner that we will have an opportunity to actually make some type of change. Um, But until then, we will continue dealing with these same issues. More people will senselessly die during a pandemic in which people are already senselessly dying. Yeah. And, 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 and during, you know, natural disasters in which people are senselessly dying and are hitting black communities. Until that changes, until NBA players find a way to stop disassociating their professional athlete privilege from the plight of the average black man or the average black woman or the average black, you know, um, however people choose to identify. Until things like this stop until you know people stop trying to justify police brutality with black on black violence and that that's again that's talking to black people too who talk that bullshit until these things change you know on a widespread scale then we are going to continue fighting the exact same fight that we are fighting right now and i'll be honest bro i'm tied i'm tied it's a lot. There's a lot every day. That I was watching somebody. I, don't, I forget where I saw, it, but someone says a lot. It's a lot to wake up every day and be black, man. Yeah. At the end of the day, it really is. Um, well stated, bro. You, I, I'm with you a thousand percent on everything you just <clears> said. <throat> um, to for me, my L it's kind of it's a W that I turned into an L. Uh-huh. It's a little more lighthearted to end on a on a little high note. Yeah. Um, tomorrow when you wake up, or shit, maybe even now, um, if you check your DSPs. No ceilings. One of these seminal Little Wayne mixtapes should be available to you to stream. Um, so what's the know, L? The L is they weren't able to clear oh. <laughs> about half of the song. Oh, so you're getting about twelve songs. So um, just just the, just the original songs, and obviously uh, no, there's a, there's a few. Um, Swags are still there. Ah. Wash my shoes. Still <laughs> there, um, but there's no, there's no uh, no run this town, no ice cream paint job, uh, no DOA. Yeah. Uh, the official track list is Swag Surf, Young Money Wasted, Shoes Broke Up, Banned from TV, Throw It in the Bag. That's all I have. Uh, hey Chanel, um, Wayne on me. I'm good. Let's do it. I'm single. Featuring Drake. Wait a minute. And uh, a new. Oh, yeah, I, huh, I ain't never heard that. <laughs> I didn't know about all that. <laughs> and then they um, re recorded Kobe Bryant. Um, so it's uh, it's it's good and bad. You know what I'm saying? Got the medicine, a little, little bit of medicine or candy with the medicine. Um, ideally, you would want to see the entire. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to hear this, great, this Drake verse, nigga. Uh, oh, go. Oh, oh, I didn't see push. 
on here. I didn't, didn't see uh, him on a uh, swag surf. Makes you that, wonder. That, that um, was fire. <laughs> but but it's you wish all the songs were there. But that's a nice little pick me up. You know what I'm saying everybody, if you're of our age, you fuck with no ceilings very heavily. Um, ain't no Drake verse on here. That's well, cat. Well, you have to. Now it's a double L. Direct <laughs> direct your uh, frustration toward Karen and Civil. I'm looking at her tweet. Um, Karen Civil, we coming for you, nigga. Um, but yeah, that's that's a nice little pick me up. Me, I'm saying. Um, for all y'all, all you guys who don't uh, have it on your phone or don't utilize your Dat Piff app, <laughs> like I still do, for some mixtapes. Um, but yeah, it'll be nice, nice something to, to rock into while you're working from home or while, like you myself, I got going to the office tomorrow for a little bit, and I will definitely be uh, listening to uh, La Wayne. You know what I'm saying, yeah, take myself back to '09. Um, man, it's it's just crazy to say. I think. No Ceilings was Wayne's last, like, really, 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 really good project. Um, yep. I think that I think people shit on the Carter for a, a, a little too much. I think it's pretty quality. Um, yeah, but it's, 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 yeah, it's just, it's just not it's just not exceptional. And, and I I'm keep no cap. I greatly enjoyed. I am not a human being uh, for what it was, but mm. um, it, it's. So you on cap like you want to walking up the Esplanade and listening to Bill Gates in the fall mm. of 2010, huh? I didn't go to college. I don't know what you talking about. <laughs> but either way, um, enjoy it. Enjoy the Wayne, man. Enjoy, you know, a time capsule of uh, the Wayne that we have lost, um, whose dreads melt like prime rib now. Um, this just look disgusting. <laughs> um, you know, coming from a, a, somebody who's now a dreadhead, yeah, man. Even you know, even after not getting my shit twisted for months and months and months and months during the pandemic, um, that is not that ain't it, Chief. Mm-mm. Uh, way, way too much money building like that. Yes, but um, you know, overall, everybody, you know, there's been a lot of you know a lot of doom and gloom, you know, on this pod uh, a little bit, and we apologize for that. But it's hard not to speak, you know, like that when you are enduring you know a a genocide you know for lack of a better term um but you know keep your fucking head up at the end of the day um you know we are it's it's again it's hard to see you know a light at the end of the tunnel but the tunnel does not last for forever and you know the things that are important you know you gotta fucking vote i you we have to we have to be direct and specific in our demands. Again, we are looking for policy change. We are looking for defunding police. We are looking for the end of law enforcement immunity in this country. We are looking for so many, you know, influxes of of money. You know, uh, money being reallocated into our communities, into our schools, into our hospitals, um, and everything else. You know, this is a long fight. You don't end systemic racism in a year, you know. But, however, everything you do right now, every moment, every action, every tweet, you know, everything you do, every conversation, it does matter. So when, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 years down the line, when we actually have an opportunity to have – a better vision of America or a, a vision that's closer 
to what Martin Luther King spoke about, um, you can look back on these years, you know, the same way that our grandparents and great grandparents looked at, look back on their involvement in the civil rights movement. And you know that you did something. All right. Um, It's going to be a long process. Yeah. But as long as you're doing what you can um, and trying to influence others that you're around you to do what they can, we're going to make it happen, folks. Yeah. Facts. Um, So, yeah, that is that. We will be back to you very soon with a more lighthearted pod. We have we got a fun one coming up real soon. Uh, One that, you know, is uh, basically completely built around, you know, something that we reference a lot and something that was very important and very big in our development and something that introduced us to the crack game. So um, Mm -hmm. we'll be back very soon with a special episode, a themed episode for you guys. So make sure y'all keep that locked. And as of course, always uh, follow us on the socials at Uptown Ace Boogie at Ain't That Wes at Beware the Ills is the show. Twitter, any thoughts, concerns, um, you know, criticisms, go ahead, send that our way. You know, on the timeline or through the DMs, uh, Apple Pod, Spotify, yeah, Stitcher, um, anywhere where you like to enjoy your podcast, straight off the Anchor app, wherever. Uh, go ahead, find us, like, rate, subscribe, share, retweet, tell a friend, tell a friend. Beware the ills. Um, it's still with you in full effect. We've been doing this thing for a while now, and we're not going nowhere. You know, as long as y'all listening, as long as y'all fucking with us, we're gonna keep doing this pod because we love y'all. We ain't shit without you, um, as Wayne would say. So, um, signing out, man. You know, again, one more time. Keep your motherfucking head up. You wake up every day. You know, you put your shit to the fucking stars, and you be proud of the black person or non-black person that you are. Um, and when you lay your head down at night, you can sleep well knowing that you did every fucking thing that you possibly could to help yourself and your people. And if you don't feel that, do better the next day. That was beautifully and eloquently put, my brother. Straight like that, we love y'all. We out. We out.